Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Second Kings 24 and 25, the epic attack that happened when people disobey God. While the Assyrians scattered the people of the Northern Kingdom of Israel, the Babylonians took um, the people from Judah captive back to Babylon. Hence, for 70 years, the Hebrews lived in exile. These last two chapters of 2 Kings tells the gruesome story. King Nebuchadnezzar's conquest of Judah came in three waves. First, in 605 BC, that's when he captured Judah's best and brightest, Daniel, along with his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You may recognize them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We'll hear for, from them in a few weeks. In 597 BC, the prophet Ezekiel was captured and taken to Babylon. Finally, in 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Solomon's temple and the whole city of Jerusalem. The last two chapters of 2 Kings tells the story. Let's dig in. By the way, if you need a recap of the story so far, click on over to my blog. There's a link there to the prior chapters in 2 Kings. 2 Kings 24. During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invaded the land of Judah. Jehoiakim surrendered and paid him tribute for three years, but then rebelled. Then the Lord sent bands of Babylonian, Aramean, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Judah to destroy it, just as the Lord had promised through his prophets. These disasters happened to Judah because of the Lord's command. He had decided to banish Judah from his presence because of the many sins of Manasseh, who had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. The Lord would not forgive this. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Jehoiakim died, his son Jehoiachin became the next king. These names are confusing. 
The king of Egypt did not venture out of his country after that, for the king of Babylon captured the entire area formerly claimed by Egypt, from the brook of Egypt, which is the Nile River, to the Euphrates River. Jehoiachin rules in Judah. Now, Jehoiachin was uh, 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan from Jerusalem. Jehoiachin did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. During Jehoiachin's reign, the officers of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came up against Jerusalem and besieged it. Nebuchadnezzar himself arrived at the city during the siege. The, uh, then King Jehoiachin, along with the queen mother, his advisors, his commanders, and his officials surrendered to the Babylonians. In the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he took Jehoiachin prisoner. As the Lord had said beforehand, Nebuchadnezzar carried away all the treasures from the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stripped away all the gold objects that King Solomon of Israel had placed in the temple. King Nebuchadnezzar took all of Jerusalem captive, including all the commanders and the best of the soldiers, craftsmen, and artisans, 10,000 in all. Only the poorest people were left in the land. Nebuchadnezzar led Jehoiachin away as a captive to Babylon, along with the queen mother, his wives and officials, and all Jerusalem's elite. He also exiled 7,000 of the best troops, 1,000 craftsmen and artisans, all of whom were strong and fit for war. Then the king of Babylon installed Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, as the next king. He changed Mataniah's name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah, was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Jehoiakim had done. These things happened because of the Lord's anger against the people of Jerusalem and Judah until he finally banished them from his presence and sent them to, into exile. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So on January 15, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. Jerusalem was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah's reign. By July 18th, in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, the famine in the city had become very severe, and the last of the food was entirely gone. Then a section of the city wall was broken down. Since the city was surrounded by the Babylonians, the soldiers waited for nightfall and escaped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden. Then they headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased the king and overtook him on the plains of Jericho, for his men had all deserted him and scattered. They captured the king and took him to the king of Babylon at Riblah where they pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. They made Zedekiah watch as they slaughtered his sons. Then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. The temple destroyed. On August 14th of that year, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuzaradan, 
Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard and an official of the Babylonian king arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city. Then he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took as exiles the rest of the people who remain in the city, the defectors who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon and the rest of the population. But the captain of the guard allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind to care for the vineyards and the fields. The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars in front of the Lord's temple, the bronze water carts, a great bronze basin called the sea, and they carried all the bronze away to Babylon. They also took all the ash buckets, shovels, lamps, snuffers, ladles, and all the bronze articles used for making sacrifices at the temple. The captain of the guard also took the incense burners and basins and all the other articles made of pure gold or silver. The weight of the bronze from the two pillars, the sea and the water carts was too great to be measured. These things had been made for the Lord's temple in the days of Solomon. Each of the pillars was 27 feet tall. The bronze capital on top of each pillar was seven and a half feet high and was decorated with a network of bronze pomegranates all the way around. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took with him as prisoners Sariah, the high priest, Zephaniah, the priest of the second rank, and the three chief gatekeepers. And from among the people still hiding in the city, he took an officer who had been in charge of the Judean army, five of the king's personal advisors, the army commander's chief secretary, who was in charge of recruitment, and 60 other citizens. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them all to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And there at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king of Babylon had them all put to death. So the people of Judah were sent into exile from their land. Jedaliah governs in Judah. Then King Nebuchadnezzar appointed Jedaliah, son of Ahiakim, and grandson of Shaphan as governor over the people he had left in Judah. When all the army commanders and their men learned that the king of Babylon had appointed Jedaliah as governor, they went to see him at Mizpah. These included Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, Johanan, son of Kareah, Sariah, son of Tehumeth, the Netof. Nedof, Net, Nedophathite. <laughs> oh, Jezaniah, son of the Make Knight, and all their men. Jedaliah vowed to them that the Babylonian officials meant them no harm. Don't be afraid of them. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and all will go well for you, he promised. But in mid-autumn of that year, Ishmael, son of Nethaniah and grandson of Elishama, who was a member of the royal family, went to Mizpah with 10 men and killed Jedaliah. He also killed all the Judeans and Babylonians who were with him at Mizpah. Then all the people of Judah, from the least to the greatest, as well as the army commanders, fled in panic to Egypt, for they were afraid of what the Babylonians would do to them. Hope for Israel's royal line. In the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiachin of Judah, 
evil Merodach ascended to the Babylonian throne. He was kind to Jehoiachin and released him from prison on April 2nd of that year. He spoke kindly to Jehoiachin and gave him a higher place than all the other exiled kings in Babylon. He supplied Jehoiachin with new clothes to replace his prison garb and allowed him to dine in the king's presence for the rest of his life. So the king gave him regular food allowance as long as he lived. The end of Second Kings. Oh boy, when God says judgment, he's not kidding. The Babylonians were different from the Assyrians. When the Assyrians took the Israelites from the Northern Kingdom, they scattered them throughout the nations or territories that they had conquered. The Babylonians had a different strategy. They took the Jews back to Babylon in exile. Notice how they took Jerusalem's elite, the best and brightest of every walk of life. As we'll see when we dig into the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar tried to brainwash Daniel and his friends. His goal was to get them to control the Jews under his power. We'll see how well he did soon. Innocent blood. The pagan worship practices and idolatry angered God. Over and over again, he sent prophets to warn the kings and the people, but they wouldn't listen. The worst king of all, Manasseh, actually followed the pagan worship practice of sacrificing his son to Molech. That awful practice was customary over all, all over the pagan nations. Its satanic ritual was brought in by Solomon's wives, and unfortunately for all the innocents, sacrificed. it sacrificed its bread. How much will God throw judgment at the practice of abortion? Aren't innocent lives being sacrificed to appease the mighty gods of pride, vanity, and greed? The temple destroyed, its treasures gone. Remember the treasures of King Hezekiah that he so vainly showed off for the Babylonian entourage that came to visit? Well, Nebuchadnezzar took them all. In the final siege, it took the Babylonians one and a half years to break through the walls of Jerusalem. The Jews that Nebuchadnezzar rejected, those left behind, fled to Egypt. After 900 years, the Hebrews ended up back in Egypt. How sad. The lineage of David preserved. King Jehoiachin was spared to make sure the lineage of King David continued. Otherwise, we wouldn't have King Jesus, the Messiah, Savior, and Redeemer. The proof is in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to end this with a poem called God is No Fool. It's by Dr. Lois Cheney, uh, PhD. Quote, they say that God has infinite patience, and that is a great comfort. They say God is always there, and that is a deep satisfaction. They say that God will always take you back, and I get lazy in that certitude. They say that God never gives up, and I count on that. They say you can go away for years and years and he'll be there waiting when you come back. They say you can make mistake after mistake and God will always forgive and forget. They say lots of things, people who never read the Old Testament. There comes a time, a definite for sure time, when God turns around. I don't believe God shed his skin when Christ brought the New Test the Testament. Christ showed us a new side of God, and it is truly wonderful. But he didn't change God. God remains 
forever and ever, and that God is no fool, unquote. Paul wrote in Galatians 6, starting in verse 7, don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. It's your choice. Isn't it about time you got right with God? So what do you have to do? Believe, have faith that Jesus is a Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three days later. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized. Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog. I click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. And in the bottom of today's blog, I embedded a beautiful worship song, Jesus Messiah. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.